0: This week on episode 455 of the RV podcast, we talked to a ranger at Yellowstone National Park about a rash of what are called turon incidents. Irresponsible behavior by tourist morons, turons who risk their lives and the safety of animals by not following the rules. Plus, expert tips on maintaining
1: the critical safety detectors on your RV.
0: Welcome news on lower gas prices in the near future. Reports on too close encounters with bears. And RV news, travel information, and your RV lifestyle questions. Hi everybody, I'm Mike Wendlandt. This is my lifelong traveling companion and my bride, Jennifer. Hello, my dear. Hello, Michael. You ready to go camping? I am
1: ready to go camping.
0: Yeah, we are heading out as soon as we finish uh, recording this podcast. So off we go. Uh, this can be a fun podcast. If you've been listening lately, you have heard us talk a lot uh, in previous podcasts. Seems like every week there's some Turon incident at Yellowstone National Park. We've heard so many of them
1: and it seems like there's more of them maybe there's more people at the parks i don't know but we're hearing more about it maybe because of cell phones and everything but It's happening.
0: Well, that's one theory that you'll hear our guest on the Interview of the Week talk about. Uh, She is a ranger and a spokesperson for Yellowstone National Park. And it's going to be a very interesting uh, interview coming up that uh, I don't think you'll want to miss. Um, We should point out that this is uh, both an audio and a video version. You can watch the video version on our RV Lifestyle YouTube channel. We're directly through our RVLifestyle.com web blog. And of course, on audio, you can watch, you can listen to us, and you can hear us on all of the favorite uh, uh, apps for podcasts that are out there. And you can also listen to an audio only version on RVLifestyle.com as well. So we hope you subscribe to both the audio and the video versions of the podcast. So, uh, this has been a a very crazy time for us. We announced Sunday, something we hinted about last week, that we are going to be selling our property in Tennessee. And here comes a sad face from my spouse Yes, you're
1: definitely getting a sad face. I love that property in Tennessee. I love the beauty and the tranquility of going there. But unfortunately, we're not going there enough to justify having it.
0: Yep. So we have, uh, uh, we had. I'm surprised at how many people have uh, expressed interest in it. So uh, we're just basically going to get what we paid for the lot and what we paid for improvements. That's all we're trying to get out of it. And we've got uh, lots of people who have contacted us. And if you want to be, if you're serious <laughs> and want more information on it, you can email us at Mike and Jen at RVlifestyle.com. And something else we talked about on um, our Ask Us Anything uh, live stream Sunday night was uh, to try to gauge some interest in uh, a long-term uh, guided caravan all-inclusive tour. Uh, we had them on the podcast a few weeks ago from uh, Fantasy RV Tours and we got really excited about it and we threw it out Sunday to see if people were interested in... I think just by uh, the interest that we got, we can easily fill up one of those tours. So. We are thinking about doing one to the Maritimes. Uh, it would be from, have um, we have ever, we've, we've, we ever set the uh, dates? July 22nd to August 17th. So it's 27 days, if I'm counting that right. That's right. Uh, and uh, it's pretty much all-inclusive. You know, I think you have a couple meals you might have to pick up on the road, but uh, all the main meals are provided for it, all the tours and the itineraries. And uh, it's pretty neat. Uh, well, if you are interested in that, Just drop us a note, say that you're interested, and if we do this, we will then send out a note to all those who've expressed interest and and it'll have all the details that we can find on it. So uh, our again our address is mike and jen at rvlifestyle.com. All right, time now for the social media buzz.
1: And our Wendy Boyer is gonna tell us what she's been reading and seeing. Out there in the, the land of RVers talking and communicating with each other, and Wendy always has great things that they're talking about.
0: And this is from our RV Lifestyle Facebook group. Here's Wendy.
2: Hi, everybody. Wendy here. One post that really got everybody talking last week was from John. John took a picture of his awning that was pretty dirty, let's say. It, it had been five years since he had cleaned it, and he bought something called a magic eraser mop, and he cleaned part of it, took a picture that showed the clean part and the dirty part, uh, sort of a before and after, and posted it. And boy, did it ever get people talking, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shares and comments. And people loved the post because you could see that it worked. So people had questions about what product he used. And then others shared tips of what they had used to successfully clean their awnings. Some had used Awesome, that product sold at dollar stores. Others had made their own mixture of a little bit of Dawn dish soap, some bleach, some water. It was very helpful. Um, And of course, the biggest tip of all was try to never put your awning away wet so you can prevent that from happening in the first place. And next, I'd like to share a post from you that was from Angie. Angie stepped outside her camper recently, turned around, looked at the side, and what did she see? a black bear. She said she was so scared she just ran as fast as she could back inside. And uh, she was completely freaked out, as you can imagine. She was camping at Helen, Georgia when this happened. And when she shared this with the group, it led to a big long conversation about what others would do if they came face to face with a big black bear. And what I thought was interesting is many of you have. There were a lot of people that have had this exact same experience. Rhonda said she was camping at Glacier National Park when she came out one morning, and underneath the slide of her camper was a black bear. It was about six feet away. She said she was so scared, she let off this big gasp, and she scared the poor thing. It literally jumped in the air. She said its eyes got big, and it scampered off into the woods. And then Josh said he ran into a black bear once when he was, um, about two years ago, when he was in the Smokies. He said, the bear, what was so amazing is this big animal was so quiet. It was just like, boom, suddenly there. And he described the experience as one of the most frightening of his life. And then finally, I'm going to leave you with a public service announcement. Um, It was from Teresa. And Teresa shared a picture that she took of her dog, a blue healer, poking his head through the window of the rig. And she wrote, public service announcement fifth wheel screens are not blue healer proof. And what I loved about this post is apparently a lot of you have had the same exact experience. There were all these pictures of other people's dogs poking their heads through the screens. Um, It was kind of, it was kind of cute. And uh, I know that's not good, but it was kind of cute. So that's it for me this week. I'm Wendy Boyer, and I'll see you next week at the RV Lifestyle Facebook group.
0: Yes, our uh, our dog Bo has come very close to getting uh, his nose through our screens as well. <laughs> he, uh, he tends to, uh, to, they don't see screens, I don't think.
1: Maybe not. Or I think they're so excited and present in the moment.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: They forget about the screen.
0: That's what you say, my problem is too. I
1: think I was going to say, people forget about screens too. <laughs> they <laughs> walk through them.
0: All right, enough about um, my impulsiveness. And um, uh, Bo's always is excused because he's a dog. I have no excuse <laughs> for being impulsive. Um, time now for our camping recipe of the week. This has been a huge hit since uh, Jericho Ma, who is the editor of our sister blog, campingfoodrecipes.com. Since she started providing these daily, uh, these weekly recipes, there's almost daily recipes <laughs> on the blog. And these are recipes that are aimed at campers who, you know, we're always trying to have uh, easy and good meals on the road. And boy, Jerica has some really delicious meals that are, are easy to fix and great to bring along. And uh, no exception this week. She's got a great one on one of everybody's favorite meals. Uh, but this will be a little twist. This is Campfire Nachos. Here's Jerica.
3: Hey camping foodies, Jerica here with CampingFoodRecipes.com and this week I have a crowd pleaser for you because the recipe of the week is campfire nachos. And if you've ever had campfire nachos before, you know that they go quick around the campfire. Um, they're really fun to make, you know, you, if you want, you can toss in any ingredients you want with the chips and the cheese, cook them over the campfire and then all dig in straight from the skillet. Um, But what we've done for you is we've created a loaded campfire nacho recipe that has all of our favorite ingredients in a really nice balance um, and clear instructions on how to make it perfectly every time. Um, And you have to remember that it's all about the layering. So as you layer the ingredients, you ensure that you get a, um, you know, a chip full of toppings with every bite. Um, So be sure to check out that recipe. We also are adding more recipes every week um, from things that you cook over the campfire or grill or cook in your RV. So many great options um, that'll make you planning your next camping menu so easy. So be sure to check out campingfoodrecipes.com. Be sure to chow down on those campfire nachos. And don't forget to submit your own favorite camping food recipe through our site. Um, We're so grateful for the people who have sent in their recipes. Um, It's just really a nice treat to share your favorites with our RV community. So thank you for that and we hope to receive many more. Um, So that's it for me this week, but I will be back next week to share another favorite camping food recipe.
0: Sounds pretty good to me. (laughs) I like nachos.
3: You are a nacho boy.
0: I am. All right. When we come back, the RV interview of the week, talking about those tourons at Yellowstone National Park. We're kind of ruining it for everybody. The one thing that can ruin a perfect RV trip is a bad mattress. And believe us, we know over the years, we've tried many and found them all wanting until now. Now we
1: sleep on the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Quite simply, it's the best we've ever slept on.
0: We chose a queen-sized Aurora Luxe medium-firm mattress that arrived tightly rolled in a box. All we had to do is put it on the bed, unroll it, and wait for it to recover from the compression. Then we put the sheets and the bed covers on, and we found we slept so well on it that we ordered another one for our home.
1: That's how comfortable it is. Our sleep is now so luxurious and deep that we can't imagine using a different mattress.
0: Shipping is free, and if you're disappointed with the current mattress in your RV, you owe it to yourselves to try the RV mattress by Brooklyn Bedding. Brooklyn Bedding sends out all of their RV mattresses from their own factory in Arizona. That means they're able to use premium materials at a reasonable price for you, with no middleman bringing up the cost.
1: And right now, if you visit rvmattresscom rvlifestyle, you'll get the maximum discount off your mattress with the promo code RV Lifestyle. Again, use the promo code RV Lifestyle for a big discount on your RV mattress by Brooklyn bedding.
0: We are sure you'll be as thrilled with your RV mattress by Brooklyn bedding as we are with ours. It really is the most comfortable mattress we've ever slept on. Welcome back. Time now for the RV Lifestyle Interview of the Week. And
1: our guest is Linda Vares, the spokeswoman for Yellowstone National Park.
0: Uh, Linda has been a, um, a ranger. She's been in law enforcement there. She is well positioned to talk about something that you and I have been reporting every week just about, and that is this influx of tourons, tourist morons, who are out of ignorance or selfishness or stupidity are endangering their lives, endangering the lives of animals, causing all sorts of problems at Yellowstone. Uh, Linda's a great interview; very sweet, kind person, but she makes it real clear that Yellowstone doesn't put up with this stuff. And I think you're going to enjoy this uh, this interview about what's safe, what is not safe, what to do if you see one of these during doing the latter. Uh, so... Without any further ado, let's get to that interview of the week with Linda Verest from Yellowstone National Park. It seems that this has been a crazy year. I mean, almost every day we're hearing something about some foolish action that visitors are taking. And I I guess I want to just how often is it that these things are happening? Is it more now than before or is it we just hearing about it more?
4: It's hard to say it's hard to say um, it, it, you know comparing to previous years just because you know now that we have these different websites and social media and then people um, have their cell phones and they're taking photos and sharing so it's hard to say whether these things uh, happened before or if there's a significant increase this year but I can say that um, these things probably happen every day, and they don't always get recorded or captured on uh, video. So, you know, lots of incidents that we might not even know about.
0: Give us a sense of the common problems that you do see like that. Some on video, some not. But what what, what happens out there on a daily basis? I'd say probably the two that
4: I've been hearing um a lot about this year and and you know it it happens other years as well uh would be wildlife you know people just getting too close to wildlife and uh you know maybe turning their backs and taking selfies not paying attention um or um i think that's the main thing is just being too close and then or not being aware of their surroundings you know and that there are uh you know maybe um uh, elk cows with calves nearby, just not paying attention to what they're doing. Um, the other thing that we see uh, are people wanting to, you know, touch the thermal features, throw things into them, you know, get off of the boardwalks so they can get a better photo, you know, with the with a thermal pool or geyser in the background.
0: Let's let's talk about the thermal features for a few minutes. When we talk about thermal features. I don't think people understand just how hot that is and maybe you could give us a little bit of a reality check here and also why you don't want to go off the boardwalk because of that rather unstable surface.
4: Right, right. People have died uh, in the thermal features before Um, and it's hard to tell, you know, if if it's hot, if it's not hot, how hot it is. It could be a couple hundred degrees. You know, it could be basic, it could be very acidic, so we just don't know. Um, You know, I mean, we know what what the features are like, but as a casual visitor to the park, they might not know the properties of the water uh, in in the thermal features. And uh, one of the things um, would be, you know, you could look at a beautiful pool, for instance, and it just looks very calm, serene. Some of them are gorgeous blue or green and it kind of entices people to come up and get a closer look. Um, But the second they touch it, you know, it could be a couple hundred degrees, very acidic. Um, It can really hurt people. The other thing is that there could be a very thin crust surrounding the pool. So with with someone's weight on it, it could break through and the person can fall into the pool and die
0: we we know that happens and uh i i don't know other than than the signs and to keep telling people you know i've often wondered do animals ever wander into those pools
4: some sometimes they do but you know they've got a good survival instinct so they know to you know stay away from it um but it can happen
0: Seen tracks that sort of vanish. A couple of our visits there, and I, yeah. I wondered, uh, animal tracks, not human tracks. Although I, you did find, did you not, a leg and a foot last year in, in one of those uh, pools?
4: We did, we did. Um, on a day uh, there, there were some visitors in in that geyser basin at West Thumb, and they saw a shoe come up and you know sometimes you know we see things that'll float up in the pools just because people like throwing things into them but as uh, Park staff fished it out you know they did find human remains um, inside the shoe so we did launch an investigation and identified the person so it's a you know we don't really know what happened because uh, that person was they're alone, um and it was unwitnessed, um so we don't know, but you know that individual did die in the pool
0: that's how hot it is and, and acidic it is now back to the uh, the animals, which I think is is you know a huge draw that's why many people come to Yellowstone to see the animals I mean we've seen pictures now of somebody trying to take a selfie petting a bison and uh I guess uh, we need to go over those rules a little bit. How far do you need to be from each of the different species that we see at Yellowstone? And I guess what are the consequences? Because these are wild animals. This isn't a Walt Disney movie here. This is their home.
4: Exactly, exactly. Um, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, they're not used to seeing wild animals in their neighborhoods. And as they were traveling through the park, the animals are used to people to a certain extent as well. Um, You know, they might be peacefully grazing, resting, sleeping, standing, um, you know, and and they look calm. But what people need to realize is that these animals are wild, um, and they're managed as wildlife here in the park. they can be very you know unpredictable you know and for the most part it's like if you stay a certain distance away um they won't feel threatened but as soon as you get closer to them or if they have young or during the rut you know they they can be very aggressive towards people but it's because people are invading their space um so here in the park uh, we want people to stay at least uh, 25 yards away from all wildlife and a hundred yards away from bears and wolves and so that's kind of yeah, that's the minimum and you could be far away but if they're acting aggressively or they're looking at you or if it's during the rut or different times of the year where they're, they're, they might be protecting young, uh, you might need to stay even farther away from that.
0: Um, there have been also incidents, uh, it seems like every spring and summer, where somebody sees a, a bison uh, calf and decides that they need to help it. Uh, we know people have pick, tried to pick them up to put them in their vehicle and drive them to you guys. Uh, maybe we ought to explain about these, these uh, Baby animals that uh, every spring that, that they're not abandoned. <laughs> they're not abandoned.
4: That's right. That's right. And um, so we can talk about bison calves a little bit, you know. Again, we ma- manage wildlife as, as um, in a natural setting here. So it's not a zoo. It's not a sanctuary. Um, and sometimes animals will die in the park. You know, young can get separated from their uh, their uh, herds, from their mothers, um, and you know, in the instance that happened earlier this year, they might get swept down the river and they might die. But that's what happens in nature. Um, but the one good thing to know is that, you know, usually when something like that dies, um, you know, uh, predators or scavengers will come and eat it. So, you know, it'll stay on the landscape. Um, so we don't rescue wildlife here um, or send them to sanctuaries, but we uh, just kind of follow a um, process, the natural process.
0: The wild is not necessarily friendly, <laughs> you know. No, it's beautiful, it's but it is wild by nature. You know, we've seen all of these viral... Videos that have gone up of people going too close to bison or being chased by an elk. Uh, do those videos help you? I mean, you actually do go out and try and identify those people, uh, do you not, when you see them?
4: Sometimes, yes. Um, we appreciate it. Visitors uh, don't always have cell service, you know, where they're at when they see these things happen. and. Um, we appreciate it uh, when they send us videos. You know, it's helpful if they have like a license plate or a description of the vehicle, and if we get the information soon enough, rangers can contact that person um, and uh, you know investigate. You know what happened. Um, you know, because because a lot of these these acts are illegal uh people walking off the boardwalk going up to the um thermal features or getting close to wildlife um you know trying to pet, pet the wildlife these are all illegal acts and um if we can pursue them just to get the message across that that this is not okay uh to do um you know it it would be great
0: if, if somebody is at the park and they do observe People getting too close to the animals Uh, what should they do besides take a cell phone picture which is somewhat self-serving sometimes with people but but uh, should they they should obviously tell people don't go close uh, report it to you write down the license number give us a, a hint on what we should do when we see irresponsible behavior at the park
4: Uh, An immediate thing that they can do is is tell the people that, you know, hey, it's illegal or hey, that's unsafe because the people might not know and that's something that they could respond to right away to stop the behavior. Um, And if that doesn't work, you know, they can just get any identifying. You know, information like a license plate um, and or description of the individuals, and pass it on to rangers as quickly as possible. That would be great. Um, Sometimes, uh, you know, there's no cell service. You know, taking a video and then and then uh, sharing it as soon as possible, or photos um, with rangers as soon as possible uh, would be helpful.
0: Um, What are the penalties that um, we these people? Who behave irresponsibly? What do they face when they are identified?
4: Each uh, individual case it'll vary slightly depending on you know the circumstances and the infractions. Um, but many of them could fall under a misdemeanor, which would be up to five thousand uh, dollars fine and up to six months in jail. Uh, For some of the more egregious ones, you know, there will be a mandatory appearance in court. Um, We have a court right here in Mammoth Hot Springs. Uh, So then it'll be up to the judge, um, you know, to determine, you know, what the fines would be.
0: Mammoth Hot Springs is one of our favorite spots there and I can't let you go without asking you about the elk because there are so many elk that live there. (laughs) They are always there that uh, when people walk out of the, they go into one of the stores or the restaurants, they're very opt, apt to run into some elks, if not literally, I mean, they ought to come very close. Would you explain that that, that, that herd, they can be very aggressive, the elk, they look like they're resting and hanging out and chilling out, but, but you don't want to get close to them or get them spooked
4: exactly exactly i see them on a daily basis almost you know and even for me you know living and working here when i walk out of buildings i look around Uh, it's so important to stay aware of your surroundings um and know what's around so i always walk out of a building and i look around see if there are any elk or other wildlife and then if there are you know i'll walk way around them so i'm not anywhere near them so i maintain you know that 25 your distance for sure. Um, Couple times a year, uh, you know, during uh, spring calving season and during the elk rut, everyone who lives here, you know, we're we're especially aware um, that uh, we really need to pay attention and and, um, maintain our distance. You know, sometimes with the elk calves, like this spring, I uh, saw one, it was, it was, hidden on the pavement between two vehicles in the parking lot, Uh, you know, mother was nowhere to be seen because normally what elk do is they'll park the babies, Um, you know, it could be up against a building and between cars while they feed. And interestingly, you know, the, 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 the calf knows to stay there, but mama will always come back for the calf um so that's another you know instance where you definitely want to leave uh the calf alone but um yeah yeah just (laughs) fun times around here for a few weeks
0: yeah well you are in our favorite place i know when we first started rving that was the very first trip that we went and and uh, we try to visit as often as we can uh anything new in yellowstone since i've got you here that we ought to tell people about Uh, how's it going with traffic control and Uh, construction how's uh, how's Yellowstone doing this year
4: right I think a couple of things that people should know is that um, in Yellowstone we do not have a timed entry or reservation to get into the park Um, so they you know some other parks have uh, implemented this but Yellowstone um, we do not require uh, you know a permit to get into the park Um, so they can come at any time Um, and then another thing is that last year we did have a historic flood happen in June, and that it did wash out a couple of the roads in the park. Um, and uh, you know, we were closed for a short period of time as well. But those two roads were washed out pretty much all last summer, but they have been rebuilt, so all the roads in the park are open uh, this year. Um, we do have some road construction projects going on, so just uh, you know, plan ahead and, and take it easy as as uh, as they're driving through the park. Um, enjoy the scenery, don't be in a rush to go anywhere, uh, just be patient uh, and flexible.
0: Well, it's awesome. Well, Linda, uh, thank you for making some time for us and maybe if we can just keep getting the words out, irresponsible behavior is dealt with at Yellowstone and we want people to know that and that they can help by by making you aware. Thank you for making us aware of um, uh, one of the greatest resources that America has, Yellowstone National Park.
4: Yeah, thank you very
0: much. Thanks to Linda for um, sharing that uh, information with us. It's a great interview. And of course, Yellowstone's one of our favorite places.
1: And, you know, going to Yellowstone, I was so amazed at how close you can get to those thermal areas. And I just hope that Areas aren't going to be fenced off or closed off so that we can't have those ex- that excitement of seeing all these places, being so close to them, that experience because of people that
0: ruin it for everybody. Yep, yeah. um, We have written a, gu- a guide, a RV travel guide to Yellowstone National Park. That's just one of a whole bunch of books that we've prepared to make your RV trip planning a little bit easier. Are you ready to embark on an unforgettable adventure in your RV? Our RV Lifestyle Travel Guide eBooks are your ultimate companions for exploring North America's most breathtaking destinations. They'll help you hit the road with confidence and make the most out of your RVing experience. We're Mike and Jennifer Wendland and we are passionate explorers and the authors of an entire library of RV Travel Guide eBooks we have meticulously put together detailed travel maps showing you the best routes, where to stay, what hidden gems to discover along the way. From the majestic Yellowstone National Park to the vibrant colors of Colorado, the awe-inspiring beauty of Utah, the enchanting deserts of Arizona, the tranquil Great Lakes region, the pristine wilderness of the Adirondacks, We've even done a captivating three-part guide to RV travel and camping in Florida. No matter where your wanderlust takes you, we've got you covered. Our curated list of must-see attractions ensures that you won't miss out on any unforgettable experiences. You want to witness the eruption of Old Faithful? We've got you covered. Craving an epic road trip through breathtaking landscapes? We've got the perfect route for you. Dreaming of beachside camping under the stars? We know the best spots. With our eBooks available for instant download at rvlifestyle.com/books, you can have the knowledge you need right at your fingertips. Head over to rvlifestyle.com/books and start exploring the wonders of North America today. Unforgettable adventures are waiting. Welcome back. Time now for the RV news of the week. And the first story has to do with the price of gas.
1: Gas prices should dip below $3 a gallon this fall, and prices the second half of summer should be even lower than they were the first part of the summer. This is according to analysis by Gas Buddy. Gas prices remain higher than they were two years ago, but thankfully are less than they were last year. As of the weekend, the national average price for a gallon of gas was 3.54. The average price for a gallon of diesel was 3.85. The part of the country with the highest gas prices is the West. Think California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Idaho with some places reporting prices as high as 4.97 a gallon. And then the parts of the country with the lowest gas prices are generally in the south. Think Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina with some places reporting gas prices as low as 2.97 a gallon.
0: We have uh, lots of resources about this that uh, you can find on our RV Lifestyle travel blog. Uh, We have a a link that we'll put in the show notes uh, for this episode that will let you check out the latest prices. If they're a big deal to you, you can see where the route you're going. And then we've got some great um, tips on how to improve your mileage, save you money in buying gas, and just go to rvlifestyle.com. Look under podcasts, and then there's a tab there for podcasts, and then You can follow the show notes and get links to everything we talked about. Um, A very sad story out of Death Valley. We've been reading about the record heat that the West and Southwest have been experiencing. Uh, A man died in his car at Death Valley National Park last week because of that extreme heat. Now, this guy had two flat tires. And apparently, his air conditioning stopped working in his car as temperatures soared as high as 126 degrees in the daytime. Uh, Much of the West, as we said, have been experiencing these high temperatures. And the story of of this man's tragic death is is a reminder that, one, we should make sure our, our air conditioners work when we're going in those hot areas. And two, that our tires are in good condition um you know you you always have to be proactive and think what if something happens and uh, this was a sad story uh, officials are still looking at it but uh, make sure you know about the um, uh, the condition of your RV tires
1: okay our next story has to do with those who uh, like to travel serendipitously uh, you can now get same day reservations at some popular Oregon state parks Previously, reservations had to be made at least 24 hours in advance for the popular campgrounds, largely on the Oregon coast. And those reservations, which would open six months in advance, would typically fill up. You know after minutes so the state is testing a new system at 17 parks where 24-hour advance reservations are no longer required the change recognizes that people's plans change in fact about one-fourth of oregon's reservations are eventually canceled
0: yeah and that's because you know you have to make them so far in advance uh, that's a really good move i applaud them for that yes uh, speaking of campgrounds, there was a really sad story out of Michigan last week. Uh, at one of the most popular campgrounds, a state park in the state, and that is uh, South Higgins Lake State Park. It's a huge park. It's one of the biggest parks in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And at the July 4th holiday, they had to shut that down. Uh, police had to shut it down temporarily because of a fight that broke out involving 30 people. And three people ended up going to the hospital. It started in the water, and, and then it moved onto to the land. And, of course, police said alcohol was involved. Uh, there were some social media reports that the park, especially the lake area, was crammed with literally shoulder-to-shoulder people in the water at times because everybody was up there on that big weekend. But uh, alcohol, heat, um it doesn't make for a good thing for a lot of people. And uh, I'm sorry to hear that happen. It's a, a beautiful state park, beautiful state park, beautiful lake. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the RV News of the Week, and there's some industry news, although it was fairly quiet this week. Uh, a new regular on the podcast is Rick Kessler. He's the executive industry executive editor of industry-leading publications, two of them, RV Business and Woodall's Campground Magazine. And uh, Rick is checking in with uh, what's been happening in the RV industry this past week.
5: Thanks, Mike and Jen. Well, there's really not a lot to report this week for a couple of reasons. First off, it was a short week due to the 4th of July holiday. But secondly, the RV industry is really kind of still on a bit of a break. Um, Given the current supply and demand situation, manufacturers are on an extended shutdown. But there was some news to pass along. And let's start with solar awnings. Uh, There's been a couple of a handful really of solar awnings that are just beginning to hit the market with the latest coming from Lippert, one of the RV industry's mega suppliers. Well Lippert has partnered with Renogy on a flexible solar awning fabric for Lippert's Solera off-grid brand of awnings. Officials claim that those awnings will have up to 300 watts of solar power And even when the awning's rolled up, they say it can still pull in about 60% of its photovoltaic production potential. (laughs) That's a mouthful. Hey, but stay tuned, folks. You know that innovation is only gonna get better. And lastly, have you ever wondered what it takes to build a campground? Well, our people at Woodalls Campground Magazine have launched a new show that offers an inside peek as Mike and Melissa Crow the owners of Mitten Getaways Glamping Company, go about developing their new park in Michigan. We're about three or four weeks into the program, so you can get caught up pretty quickly. And you can watch the show on Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. Just search for Mitten Minute. Minute. And the show will also be a podcast that you can listen to on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Well, that's the latest industry news from RV Business and Woodall's Campground Magazines. Mike and Jen, back to you.
0: I thought those uh, awnings, those solar awnings, uh, that makes a lot of sense, using the awnings to collect solar power. Uh, I oh, hope it that, does. I'm very, very curious to see how that works uh, in terms of the effectiveness. But uh, that's an interesting story. All right, when we come back, uh, an RV tip of the week. We're going to talk about something that most people totally ignore. They know they have these life-saving detectors in their RV, but that's about all they know. There are some things you need to do to make sure these life-saving detectors do their job. Stay with us. We'll be right back. When we're on a road trip, we always seem to find a way to stop at a Camping World Center. There are over 225 Camping World locations across the country, There's always one close by when we need parts and accessories for our RV or just want to shop. In fact, Electrical accessories, must-have gadgets, check them all out. And again, don't forget, use the coupon code RVLIFESTYLE10 when you visit CampingWorld.com.
1: Welcome back, and now it's time for the RV Tip of the Week from Brenda, our Queen Bee RV expert. And uh, every week, Brenda has something for us to learn, and this week is no exception.
6: Life Safety Detectors. Let's dive a little deeper on some of the safety equipment that we have in the RV and focus on your detectors. LP, carbon monoxide or CO, and the smoke detector. Your LP detector might be a standalone or a combo with your carbon monoxide detector and should be no more than six inches from the floor of the RV. This is because propane is heavier than air and CO can be both lighter or heavier than air depending on the circumstances in the room. Some RVs will have a separate CO detector and it's typically located in the bedroom. The LP detector will always be hardwired to the coach battery, so it's imperative to make sure that the battery remains charged. The standalone CO detector could be either hardwired or run on a 9-volt battery. The smoke detector is usually on a 9-volt battery and is on the ceiling located near the exit door of the bedroom. To test the detectors, Press the test button on the front to make sure the alarm sounds. This will confirm that the detector is receiving power, however it does not confirm that the sensor is still operating properly. If any of the detectors are not functioning, check the power sources first and then it's time to consider if the device has exceeded its life expectancy. To monitor this, you'll look for the manufacture dates on either smoke, CO, or LP detectors, which are on the back of the device. So grab a screwdriver and take a look. It's recommended to replace COLP at the five to seven year mark and smoke detectors at the five to 10 year mark. So I say just be safe and do all of them at five years. It's a simple and effective safety measure. If the LP detector is beeping, it means one of three things. There is LP present, the battery power is too low, or the detector is nearing the end of its life. Never disconnect the detector or cut the wires. When you are replacing a detector, make sure they are RV rated. You can find this information on the back of your current detectors and or on the package or description when purchasing in the camping gear store or online. Ladies, are you a female RV traveler? Want to learn more about safety, troubleshooting problems, and maintaining your own RV? Head to QueenBeeRV.com and click on events to view the locations of our nationwide women's RV workshop tour. We'll see you there. Now back to you, Mike and Jen.
0: Well, thank you, Brenda, for that. When we come back, we've got the RV questions of the week. So stay with us. When we're asked what's the most important modification we made to our RV, it's an easy answer. Battle Batteries. Battle Batteries are quality, safe, reliable lithium batteries that allow us to stay out there off the grid longer. Lithium batteries charge faster, they charge fuller, they're longer lasting, they're maintenance free. And Battle Batteries are protected by a 10-year guarantee. Now in our case, they just dropped into the existing AGM batteries that we have. And they'll probably be the same on your rig too. Battleborn battery experts can get those in your rig just like they did with ours. They can also match you up with the right cabling, the inverter, the charger, the solar controller, everything. Jennifer and I swear by our Battleborne batteries. They allow us to boondock off the grid. Check them out. Go to rvlifestyle.com/lithium. rvlifestyle.com/lithium.
1: Welcome back, and now it's time for the RV questions of the week, and we've got one from Robin, and Robin asks, if you're boondocking somewhere and it's hot outside, how long should, can you run your generator to use air conditioning?
0: Well, the the short answer to that is as long as you want, Uh, as long as, of course, you have fuel to keep it running, Um, and uh, some generators that are built in will... Shut down if you get within 25% of the fuel left. So you always have fuel enough to move the the vehicle, start the vehicle. But that's the biggest thing. They don't take a lot of fuel. Um, Generators are meant for long use. In fact, I think the, the biggest mistake people who have generators make, RVers make, is they don't run them often enough or long enough. You should, quote, exercise your... RV generator at least once a month. And the recommendation is to run it uh, under draw for at least one hour every month. Now, when when I say under draw, that means using power from it. For example, turning on your air conditioning and running the generator for at least an hour. That will keep things moving properly in the generator. And uh, they're meant to to run a long time. Uh, So uh, you should also... Uh, I guess mentioned that once a year you should have your generator checked out by a technician make sure everything's working good make sure the spark plugs if it has one are are there and uh, operating you know that you don't have to replace those Um, make sure you have the oil level checked in it Uh, just maintain it properly check the check the manual for your unit but if the noise doesn't bother you or your neighbors, um, you can use it as long as you as you want.
1: And uh, sometimes you want to run it a long time. If I guess the secret here is boondocking.
0: Yeah. Uh, so if you if you have neighbors, you know they might not appreciate that thing running all night mm-hmm. long. Uh, in a Walmart parking lot, it's probably okay because it's already pretty noisy. Truck stop, <laughs> it's already noisy. You might appreciate it. It'll give you a little bit of noise to, to white noise. To. <laughs> And, and, you know, while we're talking about this, we should probably um, bring up another thing that people often ask us. And that is that uh, if you have a, a generator in your RV, uh, it's okay to run it uh, as you drive. Uh, it's okay also to run your air conditioner as you drive. Now, you don't have to run the generator usually to run the air conditioner because the alternator is sufficiently drawing enough power to the coach. But um, sometimes it's really hot in, as you drive down the road and it's okay to have your chassis or your cab air conditioner working and then turn on your coach or your RV, the RV part of your motorhome, have that uh, operating as well. So it's okay to do all of that. Stay cool, everybody.
1: I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think that's a question most people wouldn't ask. And that's something that they need to
0: know. Yeah. All right, that's the podcast this week. We would love to hear your comments or your questions. You can reach us anytime at Mike and Jen at RVLifestyle.com. Thank you guys so much for watching.
1: Happy trails.